Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you today. Um, so last night and all day yesterday, twice a year we have our marriage prep retreat. We had our kind of summer one yesterday. Uh, we were up in Boulder. And really fitting, I think, for today's gospel. Today what I want to do is I want to tackle head-on the really challenging uh, words of Jesus in the gospel about striving to enter through the narrow door, the narrow way. Um, the gospel is supposed to challenge us. It's supposed to do that. Right? The, on the one hand, every one of us here, some of you, you doubt if God loves you and if the gospel is good news. It absolutely is. You are loved more than you could ever understand. Right? Jesus Christ has conquered death. He has called you to eternal life. And there is goodness and truth and life in Him. And if you're going to follow Him, it's going to cost you everything. And we don't like that part. Right? We want Christianity to be great news that's also cheap. And it's real love and real good news is never that way. Right? Good news is something that will cost you your life. So last night, I ticked off at least two of our couples. Uh, at least two, probably more, I don't know. And you know what my thought was? This is probably really bad. I probably need to go to confession. But someone told me after the talk, I, I give a dad talk. So uh, if you don't get a dad talk when you're a kid, you can come see me. All right? <laughs> and so when you're engaged, you'll get your dad talk from me. And so last night, I give all the couples on the marriage retreat, I give them their dad talk about the birds and the bees. And it's really, really challenging I would say for all of us, if we take it seriously, but especially for a lot of couples who have never really embraced the church's teaching on Christian marital love, it's really a hard thing for them. And so a couple of the couples left the retreat right afterwards, and that's always hard. But you know what I thought? I was like, all right, this is good. And I really thought that. You know why I thought it? It's because if we preach a gospel that's cheap and easy, it is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. The gospel is a state of pure joy that will cost you your entire life. Absolutely everything. And if you think you can follow after Jesus, brothers and sisters, free of charge, I've got bad news for you. You've deceived yourself. God loves you so much, he doesn't want a part of your life. He doesn't want you to be nice, average people who happen to believe in God. He wants everything. He wants absolutely everything. And so today I want to challenge you in that way. Psalm 16, verse 11. The psalmist says to God, he says, Lord, you show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
Following God leads to eternal joy. But it starts, brothers and sisters, on a hard path. And so today in our gospel, what I want to do, there's a couple versions of this in the New Testament. Uh, Today we heard from Luke chapter 13. But I want to build a little bit. In Matthew 7, Jesus, Jesus says it a little bit more flushed out. So in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says it this way. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Hear that last line one more time. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So someday, if you go to Jerusalem and uh, and to Israel, and I hope you'll go. I don't know if we have spots this summer on our trip going there or not. Uh, But we might. So if you want to go, I'm going with Chris Stefanik this summer. Soft plug. Uh, When you go, we'll go to Bethlehem. And if you haven't been to Bethlehem, it's amazing. The Holy Land is just an incredible place. Uh, St. Jerome called it the fifth gospel. And your faith just comes alive there. But in Bethlehem, it's the oldest surviving church in the world, by the way. This is one that's been standing the longest. So the Church of the Nativity, when you go there, uh, the main door is tiny. They have hidden doors because they want people who, you know, can't make it through, people who have accessibility issues, that they can go through other doors. But the main door is this tiny little door. It's less than five feet tall. And to enter into the Church of the Nativity, you have to make yourself small. And I love that. And the reason that the architect of that church did that is because in Bethlehem, God, who is the greatest, who is infinite, who the heavens cannot contain, in Bethlehem, God made himself small. And not just physically, right? Not just because he was a baby at Bethlehem, but he humbled himself. He chose the lowest place. He chose not to be the, ser- or the, the master and the one who is served. He came to be a slave to us, right? To, to choose humility and smallness. It's today's gospel, right? So many powerful things in this gospel, but, but today where Jesus talks about this narrow way, One scripture scholar I was reading, I thought this was a beautiful image. He thinks, this is one one idea, is that uh, we're to imagine a city and there's two gates. And one, of course, is the normal one. It's just the way everybody goes in and it's, you know, the standard way you kind of enter into the city. But the narrow gate, he says, is we're to imagine a gateway that when you're carrying all your stuff, you're going into the city you're going to trade, you're going to buy, you're going to sell, and you've got all your stuff, and you're going in through this gate, and the gate is so small that the only thing that can make it through is you. 
The Christian life is such good news. The gospel is a state of good news and union with God that will cost you everything. You can't enter in that door and carry your pride. You can't enter through that door and carry your vanity. You can't enter through that door and carry your unforgiveness. You can't enter through that door and carry your false gods that you and I worship. When you pass through the gate that is Christ, everything else will be stripped behind. Right? And a lot of people, they don't want to do that. Neither do I. But that's what this gate is. One more kind of cool image for this that I just thought is, was super powerful when I was uh, praying this morning and, and doing some studying. Uh, one other scholar, there's a, um, there's a debate in the text. We won't go too deep into it. But with these two ways, there's a gate that leads to life, but there's a debate among scholars and in the text of the scripture if Jesus ever says there's a gate that leads to destruction. And a lot of church fathers and saints through history have said there is no gate that leads to destruction. You don't have to enter into anything. You're already on that path. And so think about this. Today is a challenging gospel. Brothers and sisters, no one, no one, no one, no one is a Christian by default. Right? One of the big critiques in the world is when I went through my conversion, right, and you're surrounded by all these people who think you're weird, and you are, right? And I went through my conversion, and I got really weird, and just hanging on to that for dear life. And everybody's like, Brian, you are so weird. And you know what? Why are you so into this? If you were born in a different country, you wouldn't be a Christian. You'd be a Hindu, or you'd be a Buddhist, or you'd be Muslim, and you're just a Christian because you were born that way. Brothers and sisters, no one is a Christian by default. Because being a Christian is the person who enters through the narrow gate. A Christian is someone who has decided in their life that there's a normal way where I can just have a normal life like everybody else. I can live for myself, I can live for the world, and I'll go to church on Sundays most of the time. That's not Christianity. It simply isn't. So we have some quotes today. Pope Benedict says this. He says, the knowledge of God is a way. Right? This is the first name for Christianity. Hopefully you've heard me say this. The first name for Christianity is the way. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. Being a Christian means, right, in our gospel today and lots of other passages in the New Testament, being a Christian means walking and following Christ where he goes. 
So Pope Benedict, again, the knowledge of God is a way. It means discipleship. This way is not revealed to an uncommitted, permanently neutral observer, but rather is disclosed in the measure in which one sets out on the way. In other words, you'll never be a Christian if you stay at home. Do you want to love God? Do you want to know the joy He has for you? If you want to sit on the sidelines and think and ponder about it and weigh the pros and cons, you'll never be a Christian. To be a Christian, you've got to risk something. Last night was one instance of this with these couples. I challenged every couple in the room and I said, I don't care when your wedding date is, my challenge to you tonight is if you're living with your fiance, you need to move out tomorrow. And I love it. There was one couple that I thought was really courageous. I was really proud of them. And, and one of the couples, they raised their hand and they said to me, they said, Father Brian, we're in a situation where it's really hard. And we just, financially, I just don't think we can do it. You know what I said to them? because I love you guys and I trust you and I trust him, as I said, if you come to me, I will find a way. I will find a place for you to live. I promise. Two minutes later, someone else in the congregation or the group last night raised their hand and it was a young man who's engaged and he said, I have rooms in my house. If any guy in this group needs a place to live to move out, you can live with me as long as you want, free of charge. That's a Christian. It's easier not to, right? It would be way easier to say, hey, everybody else is doing it. Everyone lives together before they're married. <laughs> yeah, I've got rooms in my house, but kind of like my clean house. Right? What if, what if the, this other person who I don't know, what if they moved in? What if they actually took me up on this? Man, that's going to be awkward. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. One more quote today. Thomas Merton, who is a monk, he says this. He says that Christianity is the most complete revolution that has ever been preached. In fact, it is the only true revolution. Because all other revolutions demand the extermination of somebody else. Right? What's wrong with the world? There's a famous story of G.K. Chesterton where there was an essay put out by a publisher in London, and they asked everybody, write an essay on what's wrong with the world. You know, and everybody said, well, it's that political party, or it's this political party, or it's this group of people, or this economic system. And G.K. Chesterton wrote back, and he just said, dear sirs, the problem with the world is me. So Merton goes on, he says, right, every other evolution means the death of somebody else. But for Christianity, 
It means the death of the man who for all practical purposes you have come to think of as your own self. If you are engaged, you know, I'm sure some of you pray here are, as much as I tell you to stop getting engaged, we need priests, not more married people, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> now I've totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> I blame all of you guys. Uh, if you, that's what it was, if you were on that retreat, right, and if you, it would be normal if I told all the couples, if I had not found Jesus, if he had not found me, and it wasn't me who found him, it was him who found me. If he had not found me and rescued me from my selfishness, I would do the exact same thing. I'm no better than anybody else. I would have done the exact same thing. And maybe you're the same way, and if you were engaged in living with your fiancé, to move out would be really hard. You know what it would be like? It would be like a death. Maybe you've been living for money. And Jesus says, right, in the same passage in Matthew 7, he says, do you want the way to life? He says, love the poor. In Matthew 19, there's the rich young man. He says, Lord, I followed all the commandments. Jesus says, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. You know what that would have been for that young man? It would have been a death. It would have been a narrow door to follow after Christ where all of his stuff would have been left outside. Maybe you've been carrying, right, that unforgiveness. And maybe you don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to forgive sometimes. And to forgive someone who's hurt you deeply is a death, brothers and sisters. And that's what that was. Jesus brought all of our unforgiveness and all of our pride and vanity and all the false gods we have, and he nailed them to the cross. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Today, when you go home, I just want to encourage you Another one of my favorite quotes, you've all heard me say it, uh, but from Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde says, a cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. A cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. And when the world, and maybe you today, maybe you in the pew, you look at this passage, and maybe what you see is a price tag. I don't want to follow Jesus because then I have to give things up. I have to try to be chaste. I have to forgive my enemies. I have to love prayer. I have to let go of my pride, and that's costly. And we think, you know what? Other people are just stronger than me, and they can, they can do it. They can go through life, and it's going to be awful. But they'll go to heaven. And that's a lie. This is my final word for you today. The men and women 
who lose their life through the narrow gate, they're not sad people. They're not depressed. Sometimes they're weird. That's true. They're joyful. They have found the gate that leads to life. When a priest is ordained, or a deacon, or a religious brother or sister, right? the day I was ordained, I had a lot of my friends, when I was ordained a deacon, it's like, oh my gosh, today Brian's giving up marriage. Today Brian is swearing obedience to the bishop. He can't even choose where he lives. Right? Today he's embracing a life of simplicity. Looks like a price tag. The day I was ordained a priest, the most common comment I received from my family and friends was, Brian, we've never seen you happier. The world tells us that following Christ is difficult and miserable. It's hard. It is a hard way. But brothers and sisters, I promise you, it will bring you joy. So Jesus, today may we love nothing more than you. Lord, may each of us, may we examine ourselves. May I, me today and everyone here, Jesus, give us the grace today to look at our life, to the things that we cling to, to the things that that we think we can be Christians and also hold on to those things. Jesus, today may each of us have the grace to cast them off at the gate. Lord, may my, my pride, may I just cast it off. My vanity, my love of pleasure and riches and power and comfort. Jesus, may I throw those things at the gate that is you. Lord, may I not count the cost. But Lord, may I look through that gate and may I see pure joy. Lord, today move our hearts Strip us of all of our our idols and our falsehoods, Jesus, that we may enter in through the narrow gate.